Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CNBC, or tweet me, at Jim Kramer. For most Americans, this pandemic-induced depression is a terrible crisis. But for many tech companies, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And that's why the tech-heavy Nasdaq can rally 0.43% on a day when the Dow tumbled 226 points and the S&P backslid 0.38%. Sure, the tech titans aren't exactly crowing about it. That would be in bad form. But when you look at their numbers versus the numbers for our overall economy, GDP down 9.5% in the second quarter, nearly 33% on an annual basis. Let's call that the worst ever. Along with 17 million continuing jobless claims. It sure feels like the old economy's loss the house of pain. is the new economy's gain. House of pleasure. At the very least, the companies involved in the Internet, the cloud, and communications have gotten a massive windfall here. Remember, digitization pulled through by two, three, four, five years. Look, 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 look at the, that incredible $7.4 billion revenue beat Amazon reported after the close. They're practically printing money out there. They're like the Mint, the Amazon Mint, because people don't want to put themselves at risk by shopping in person when they can buy just about everything they need online. Amazon is the answer to the pandemic. Every day, some pundit or portfolio manager comes out here and argues that the Federal Reserve is propping up the economy by keeping interest rates low and effectively backstopping low-quality corporate bonds, which then props up all of our stocks. They tell us that it's a bubble. They tell you to ignore it. They imply the gains in the stock market are fake. They're chimerical, and the whole thing will end in tears. You hear them. I hear them. It's driving me nuts. These typically incredibly rich naysayers give you no alternatives whatsoever. I mean, they just, they're not helpful. They throw their hands up and they say everything's dangerous. What does that do for you? Many of them are money managers who've missed out on a huge run. They need the market to go lower or else their funds will go out of business. Multiple times today, I heard that stocks were dangerous because of the Fed. and You had to be delusional to own them. And it wasn't fair. Like the banks won't take the money if you sell it. Meanwhile, they say bonds offer no value. They probably read about that. Gold's too precarious. Wrong. And real estate's a loser. Wrong. When it comes to the stock market, though, they couldn't be more really wrong. Forget the word bubble. It's a market where some very large tech companies are making fortunes because they are great at what they do. I am not Bambi. Never been confused with that or Thumper for that matter. I know these companies play tough, but the fact is their stocks reflect the worth that they have created. And all these Jeremiah's have been thrown out against these companies for a myriad of points that you have missed because those people who are so rich and so smart must know more than you. So you're not going to buy the companies you use and watch and love and admire every day of your life. And it's not like these stocks were hard to find. I mean, we've been pounding the table on Amazon, Apple, and Facebook for ages on this show. There's some of the marquee names in the Kramer COVID-19 index, and they have been rock 
bid important positions for my travel trust for years and years and years and years and years as club members of Action Alerts? No. We could throw up our hands and cite the Fed, or, uh, or we can ask, is there anything more obvious than buying Amazon when the government's telling everyone to stay home? <laughs> Got it? Honestly, this isn't even specific to the stay-at-home economy. When I'm searching for long-term investments, I dream of finding companies that, what am I looking for? What, is, what am I looking for? I'm pacing. I'm looking, I'm, looking for, I'm looking for companies so powerful. I'm looking for companies that are so strong that they end up being hauled in front of Congress for destroying their competition fair and square. Guess what? We had the greatest stock-picking research firm in the world yesterday. It's called the House Subcommittee on Antitrust. They identified four of them for us yesterday. Alphabet, Amazon, Alpha, Apple, and Facebook. They couldn't identify Microsoft. Is that so hard to put on the recommended list? All four fielded questions after questions about how they wrecked their competitors. I think they gave a good account of themselves, although that's really beside the point. Congress told you these companies have an absurd amount of market power. And it just so happens that they have an absurd amount of market power. And all of them reported after the close today and showed you they're absurd amount of market power. Amazon, Apple, and Facebook each knocked it out of the park. And I think Alphabet did well. They're just not very good at communicating their story to Wall Street to be mild about it. You could argue these tech companies are so powerful because they know how to invent and then reinvent and then reinvent again. And yes, in some cases, copy their competitors and come out on top if they come up with something better. You could argue that their scale gives them a huge unfair advantage. From a stock picking perspective, it's the same thing. Most of all, they've proven that they'll never let a crisis go to waste. Listen to these spectacular numbers. Amazon made nearly $89 billion in revenue. Street was looking for $81.5 billion. That's how you translate into a gargantuan $10.30 of earnings per share. Analysts were looking for buck forty-six, And they weren't even trying to have an incredibly profitable quarter. They spent aggressively to build capacity for the stay-at-home economy and to keep their employees safe. Billions of dollars in that. As for the next quarter, Amazon gave you a blowout forecast. Stocks on fire. All right, how about Apple? All right, this is another blockbuster set of numbers. They did $59.7 billion in revenue. We were looking for about 50, 51, 7.5 more than the analysts expected. They did, uh, along with a 51 cent earnings beat off of $2.07 space. This is the largest company in the world, people. iPhones, iPads, Macs, the service revenue stream, accessories, all stronger than expected. iPhone numbers were truly magnificent. People were worried that they wouldn't sell this quarter because of the lockdown. Instead, they did 26 billion in sales. Wall Street was looking for 22 billion. And while Apple didn't give us a forecast for the next quarter, they did give us something that I know is truly regarded as uh, leisure to men by some people, let's just say. But I think is important. They gave us a four for one stock split, which should make this one a lot more enticing to home gamers who might be scared away from a $400 price plus price target. Many other companies should actually watch what Tim Cook does here and stop watching what Warren Buffett does. Do what Tim Cook does. It's another reason why Apple's zooming after hours. You know me. I haven't changed my mantra. I say Apple own it. Don't trade it. If, if it, that's like my middle name these days, okay? Own it, don't trade is my middle name. Facebook, after all the sturm and drang about major advertisers boycotting the, the platform, Facebook shot the lights out, as I told you today, would. Big revenue beat with sales up 11% year over year. Enormous 41 cent earnings beat off a $1.39 basis. Daily average users up 12%. That is stunning. Even better, July is going strong. Millions of small businesses need Facebook. Instagram shops is a gigantic hit. This is a small and medium sized business juggernaut. No wonder the stock's flying. In after hours trading, they make a lot. They create a lot more companies than small than the SBA does. 
Alphabet's more tricky. Numbers were substantially better than expected, even as their core advertising business took a major hit. Still, YouTube managed to grow up by 6%. The phenomenal uh, Google Cloud, that was that to- uh, Thomas Curry and I told you about, up 43%. Stock barely budged in response, but I think that's because Alphabet's management is so non-promotional. No, they're worse. They are anti-promotional. They should go work at Moderna. Put it all together, and three of the four companies that Congress grilled yesterday just reported unambiguously fabulous quarters that have sent their stocks in the stratosphere. The fourth one did pretty darn well, even if its stock only rallied a little. If I were out there on the conference call, believe me, I would be a little more, let's say, aggressive. Talk about an incredible track record. That antitrust subcommittee? The heck with everybody else. For the with the index funds. I want to do whatever they tell me to do. Here's the bottom line. These big tech stocks have been roaring because they either benefit directly from the pandemic or they figured out how to thrive in spite of it. That is not a Fed-mandated bubble. It's some very well-run companies making lots and lots of money for you, you shareholder. Call me crazy. Call me bipolar. You'll hear about that later in the show. But when you keep delivering massively better than expected numbers, I think it makes perfect sense for your stock to go higher. Searching for what to call it. How about the American way? Ron in New Jersey. Ron. Booyah from the Delaware Water Gap. Well, there you go. I love that's where my kids were. They were someplace called the Inn Woodlock or something. They had a great time. (laughs) It looked like it was all natural food, though. Do you think it's time to jump on the first energy? Of Ohio bandwagon. I debated the that, but the so better one, no, uh, they, they kind of stink as a utility. The better one is American Electric Power, because Nick Aiken's stock got dragged down with it. And I'll tell you something, I'll vouch for Nick Aiken's any day of the week. Let's go to Joe. Oh, we're sticking with my homestay. Let's go to Jack in New Jersey. Jack. Hey, Jim. What's going on, buddy? I don't know. They told hey, me we use this Nails bottle, but I keep getting it all over my shirt. Go on. What's up? <laughs> Hey, listen, Jim, I want to know what you think about DraftKings, Live Dealer Blackjack, Live Dealer Roulette, Live Dealer Baccarat, and Live Dealer Three-Card Poker, where they're live streaming interactive table games right into your home from their casino. The tables are packed all day long, and I don't think uh, analysts have their numbers yet. Or no, you're how, right. How you're right. They don't understand. I mean, it's too dangerous to go to a casino. DraftKings is the answer. Uh, you know, I like that pen Nat too, because of that fella there. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the guy they complain about. <laughs> that's a never. It's a joke. Uh, I think I think Penn that's good, too. Let's go to Derek in Michigan. Derek. Mr. Kramer, thanks for taking my call. No problem. No. Uh, I am a newer investor and AAP member, so I'd also like to take the opportunity to thank Jeff Marks for the great work he does there. Oh, my. It's just unbelievable. He's killing it. He's working overtime. Go ahead. My question's about a stock that's risen about 83% since I purchased it in early January. Uh, seems to always go up on days the market's down, limiting losses for me. The stock is Cloudflare, and as a conservative investor in general in this wild market, it's difficult to know when to take profits, especially on such a buoying stock. Yeah. Uh, is it time to ring the register? No, that is more? a really, really good company. No, I mean... This, you know, people love Akamai. I like Cloudflare even more than Akamai. I, I can't, I can't tell you to sell it. it. It's too good. And thank you for recognizing the incredible work that Jeff Marks does for ActionLearnersPlus.com and Zeb Fiemann does great work too. I'm going to Andrew in Massachusetts, please, Andrew. Booyah, Jim. Oh, booyah! The chill man says hi. Hey, hey, I just wanted to say that you know I love the show and everything you do for us. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm actually a recent college grad looking to enter into equity research. 
And about a week ago, UPS came across my radar and we did set up and prime for a breakout. Quarantine has clearly accelerated the e-commerce shift, but where do you see margins and pricing power going? And in addition, well, how do you feel about the appointment of Carol Tomei as CEO? Well, we kind of miss remember, I, I, I said when Carol Tomei retired and then when she went to UPS, just go buy UPS. Carol Tomei was the amazing CFO. When she left, we gave her a, kind of a send off because she's the, by far the best CFO in America. Now, beginning June 1, she took over as the CEO of United Parcel. David Abney did a good job, too. That stock was up 17 today, up 14 percent. And I think we're a day late and a dollar short if we're going to come in here. Let's wait for a bit of a pullback. All right. All right. And thank you for the kind words. These tech companies are delivering. Their stocks deserve to go higher. Sorry. You can. Hey, by the way, you sell a share of Apple. This is incredible. And you take that money. The bank accepts it. They don't say, hey, come on. The Fed made that up. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, the doctor is in. Sure, Dr. Pepper, that is. I'm going to sit down with the CEO to find out if the company can still quench your thirst after earnings. Then it's the summer of the SPAC. And tonight I'm getting up close and personal with a company doing coming public via unconventional methods that I want you to buy. Don't miss my exclusive with Utz, like me. Utz, bipolar Utz, it's my night. And as more urban dwellers consider dishing city life for the suburbs, thanks to COVID-19, of course, I'm talking to the CEO of an incredibly good home builder, Taylor Morrison Homes, find out what she says. So I would stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today. It's the summer of the SPAC, the Special Purpose Acquisition Corporation. These are basically managers who raise a bunch of money and use it to buy other businesses, either as part of a roll-up or maybe one big deal. Sometimes they do crazy things like buying Nikola. That's that embryonic electric vehicle play that's a little more than a business plan, frankly. But there's nothing inherently wrong with these Special Purpose Acquisition vehicles. We like to look at them, so it's all about what they acquire. If they snap up a good, solid business that wants to come public via reverse merger, that's a very different story. Take Utz Quality Foods, okay? Utz is the nearly, everyone knows this, right? Nearly 100-year-old company behind Utz Potato Chips. I'm going to hold them up just in case you don't know because they're my fave. Utz Potato Chips. Last month, these guys, we learned that they're coming public by merging with a SPAC called Collier Creek Holdings. Oh, this is nothing like Nicola stock that spent the last month getting eviscerated. Utz is a real business, okay? Their products are on the shelf. They're profitable. Second, the combined company will have great bloodlines. There's this fellow, Roger Derometti. He is the former chairman of Pinnacle Foods. We like that. Mr. Gamgort used to run Pinnacle Foods. Um, he's the former CEO of Kraft. He'll become the chairman of the New Utz brands. Third, the company just announced some excellent second quarter results yesterday. Double-digit sales, earnings growth, really terrific for packaged food play, and a great stay-at-home 
home work at home play. So does it make sense to buy Collier Creek here in anticipation of the Dutch deal? Let's take a closer look with Dylan Lissette. He's the current CEO of What's Quality Foods. He'll become the CEO of the Combined Dutch Brands. And Roger Duramedi, he's the current co-founder of Collier Creek, who will become the chairman of the company. Gentlemen, welcome to Mad Money. Welcome. Hey, Jim. Super excited to be here. Thanks uh, for having us. We're excited yeah. to have you. This is a brand that uh, I know. I'm from Philly. I grew up on this. I And my first question to ask uh, Dylan, because you've been the CEO, is why uh, not go public in an IPO? Because people want this company. Uh, it's a great question. Um, uh, we met up with the Collier Creek guys about a year ago. Roger Darametti, as you said, has a great track record as a, um, a CPG wizard. And we just thought uh, at the end of the day, it was a great way for us to start the next century of growth with a um, with a great team from the Collier uh, team to add to our board, to work on governance, to work on our strategy going forward. So we're really excited about it. Uh, Roger, it does sound like that this is the beginning. We're looking at uh, I've got your wares in front of us, a, a, a platform not unlike Pinnacle Foods, which turned out to be a fantastic platform that made a fortune for investors. You're exactly right, Jim. And this is what we tend to do with us and we sometimes refer to it as Pinnacle 2.0, we want to apply our operating playbook that we used at Pinnacle and the team there so successfully grow shareholder value. And as you commented between CEOs like Bob Gamgort and now, uh, and previously then uh, uh, Mark Klaus, the team drove 24% annual stock appreciation from when we went public with the IPO in March of 2013 to when we sold the ConAgra in October of 2018. Our intention is to do exactly the same thing, take this platform, apply our playbook, and what's even more exciting is the category we're competing in is a great category. Salty snacks is just a great category, growing over 4% pre-COVID and now about 10% during COVID. All right, so, Roger, are there more companies that would be for sale, given the fact that, I don't want to say that COVID's good business, but given the fact that things are so robust in the category, why would anyone want to sell to you? Well, I can, I can let Dylan attest for why they wanted to sell to us, but in this case, I think that uh, we have a very robust pipeline of acquisitions that we're doing because our platform and our virtuous cycle of uh, the, the playbook is to reduce costs and then re- reinvest back in marketing to grow organically, but very importantly, doing strategic acquisitions like we did at Pinnacle. And it's with that combination of organic and M&A, we think we can dr- drive shareholder value that so will be significant. And we do have a, a great pipeline. And, and I think at this point in time, I think we will find candidates that we'll be very excited about. All right. Now, Dylan, uh, I know 99-year company, your old company, but six years ago, the company was the subject of one of the funniest, best parts of Mad Men I've ever seen. And it was a family. They clearly were uncomfortable being public, but they wanted people to know their brand because it's the most delicious. You had to think about this, whether you ever wanted to be public, it, it, because it is like the ultimate family brand. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I remember that Madman uh, or Madman uh, episode. It was fantastic with the uh, with the uh, comedian. And um, hey, so, I mean, we're looking forward to after 100 years of being in business, after reaching a billion dollars in sales, it's a fourth generation, like literally started in 1921 uh, by uh, my wife's uh, great grandparents. It's a great story. We're going into the next century of growth. Uh, We wanted to be a national platform. We're there. We're on the precipice of sort of sparking into, um, you know, even more growth into the next century. So we're really excited about it. And and going public and teaming up with Roger and CCH and the Collier guys was a great way to do it. So we're really excited about the future and uh, think it's a great uh, a way for us to 
uh, transcend and, and turn into the next century. Don't why are all the, uh, the the pretzel and snack companies in Hanover, Pennsylvania? What is it about it? That is not a big town. And it was known for shoes at the time of, of the Gettysburg of the Civil yeah. War. They're all there. The co-packers yeah. are all there. How's that happen? Uh, you know, I think it's the Pennsylvania Dutch background of Hanover, Pennsylvania. You're right. Snyder's of Hanover. Uh, my father-in-law, Mike Rice and uh, Mike Wareheim, who was the uh, owner of Snyder's, grew up and went to high school together. And uh, uh, amazingly enough, they went on to uh, start some of the most successful snack food companies in the United States. So I think it's the heritage, it's the people, uh, it's the work ethic. It's a fantastic place to start a snack company. All right, so, Roger, you, you mentioned, uh, besides Gambler, which I mentioned, Mr. Klaus, we've had him on. And what we're impressed by is, is that people are rediscovering these foods. It's not, just, it's not just the older people who know cheese balls and love them, but it turns out there's these people who, are, who grew up in houses where their parents had the stuff. They kind of left it, and they're back, and they're not looking at the label right now. They, they want something good tasting because it's such a weird time. Are you finding that there's two streams of thought here? There's the natural and organic, and there's also the, oh, come on, I want something really good tasting. Well, we, we find over time there, there's t- all types of consumers, and, and particularly in this COVID time, you know, I think people are going back to foods they have comfort with, they have some heritage with, and they feel very good with, like a brand like us, which is why we perform so well and have actually significantly outperformed uh, our competitors, in fact, because uh, Dylan's team has done such a great job. There's still interest in Better For You, and what's important is the Utz portfolio has uh, two great brands with Boulder Canyon and Good Health that appeal to those, and then those who appeal to uh, those who just want the cheese balls and the other more comfort food. But you're exactly right. And this time, people are staying home. They want stuff that they can rely on and trust. And it's been very fascinating. And in this uh, typical time of a recession that we're, we're in with people out of work, you would think that private label would be growing. But actually, right now, in the salty snack category, private label is going down. That's incredible. It should not happen in a recession. Dylan, one last question. Uh, people say, look, I really want this company. Uh, it, it, where is it? Is it uh, it's, when does it happen? There is a little, a little bit of difference. It's not going to be called Collier. It will be called Utz. But what's your time frame that people can then go and say, you know what? I saw these two guys. I really want to own shares in that. What do they do? Yeah, what they're going to do is they can buy... Go ahead, Roger. Yep. You can go to a, and buy Collier Creek Holdings, which our ticker symbol is CCH. Um, that's basically tracking as if uh, it were us. And then when we actually close a transaction, uh, transaction, which we're on track to do by the end of this quarter, the ticker symbol will just change from CCH to UTZ. And well, so the ticker going forward will be us, okay, UTZ. When I do those, do those numbers, Dylan, you're the cheapest in the snack food. Your multiple is far lower than everybody else, but your growth is far in, in excess. So there is a yeah. bit of an anomaly here. Right, Dylan? Yeah. Well, I, think, I think we're in an interesting time right now as we're in between and, you know, in, in this, the world of a SPAC while we're CCH and we're going to be uh, transferring over to uh, UTZ to UTS the stock in uh, uh, ideally September uh, sometime. So just kind of pay attention to uh, the news and, and search the SEC. And uh, when we change over to UTS, then will be a full-fledged public company under Utz Brands Incorporated. Well, so we're looking sure, forward to it. I sure hope when, when you do that, that Utz will come on our show because it, this is one of the greatest fabled brands of, of our generation. Thank you so much to Dylan Lissette, CEO of the new Utz Quality Foods, and Roger Darametti is the chairman of Collier Creek Holdings. It will be UTC, guys, and I got to tell you, it's way too cheap versus the group. Man, money's back into the break. 
economy has been fabulous for the packaged food business, but the beverage plays a little more hit or miss. At one end of the spectrum, the operators with a lot of restaurant exposure are struggling. Think Coca-Cola, although they got that really good Topo Chico's hard seltzer coming. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got a company like Keurig Dr. Pepper, the best-performing non-alcoholic beverage name over the past few months. Two years ago, Keurig Green Mountain, which is still good, kicking around, merged with the old Dr. Pepper Snapple, and the combined company's thriving right now. This morning, they reported a modest top and bottom line beat, but driven by 6% growth from the packaged beverage biz and 5.4% growth from the Keurig Coffee Machine division. Makes sense. These single-cup coffee brewers are a lot more attractive in an environment where people are stuck at home. However, the stock had already run going into the quarter, and uh, Dr., uh, Keurig Dr. Pepper only reiterated its previous full-year guidance rather than raising it, so the stock pulled back a bit today, dipped 1.6%. But if you're worried about the economy as we head into August without a second stimulus package, which doesn't sound like it's going to happen, I think this stock could be a terrific stock to buy here. Don't take it from me. Let's dig deeper with a man we have come to love for how much money he's made for shareholders, Bob Gamgord, the chairman and CEO of Cure Dr. Pepper. Learn more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Gamgord, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, thank you. Great to be here. Bob, this was a quarter where a lot of things came together, uh, and what I was struck by was this turned out to be a merger that really worked. And people were concerned, but these two things work really well together, don't they? They do. They do. I think you know we were successful before the crisis. Let's be clear about that. This wasn't a windfall. We've been really successful during, although we've had to pivot quite a bit, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And we're really bullish on where we're going in the future. But I felt like this is really bringing our merger thesis to life. Now, there are some things you have to do different. And one that I think you're doing excellently that I don't think you have much at all, e-commerce. I mean, it turns out you had yeah. to develop an e-commerce track. You had to, given the fact that people uh, stay at home. You know, it's funny. When we put the two companies together two years ago, we talked about seven different routes to market as part of this modern beverage company. And we said that we were the leader in e-commerce. And people said, you know, e-commerce for food and beverage, how important is that? Really important right now. So more than 10% of our sales are coming from e-commerce. It's exploding. And we believe our first mover advantage in that space is a benefit to us. And I think everybody now comes to appreciate that it has accelerated over the past couple of months. And it's here to stay. We talk a lot, maybe too much about Coca-Cola and PepsiCo because the share gainer, the consistent share gainer is your company. And I've got a Dr. Pepper and cream soda, which my executive producer grabbed today. And this is another thing that takes up more space in the aisle that you get, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we've had Dr. Pepper as a brand has grown 17 straight quarters. Canada Dry, which is another brand we introduced a new product on, Canada Dry Bold, has grown for 13 straight years. So we have been consistent in capturing share, not just of carbonate soft drinks, but of total liquid refreshment beverage. That's everything. And that's accelerated over the past quarter. This combination with Polar is good. I know you can't outright buy Polar, but it won't really buy Polar. I love that. I should use that. But that but that it's still a, but it's going to work. Right. I mean, I don't know what percentage you get, but it's going to be a, a representative in the category you need. This is a long term partnership with a family owned business. As you said, they want to maintain ownership. They are the number one selling unsweetened flavored sparkling water, which is a hot category where they sell, which is only about a third of the country. And as I said earlier today, they've got the brand, we've got the distribution, and it's a perfect match. And we've been doing business with them in the Northeast on our uh, on our soft drinks business for almost 30 years. So you, we've known each other for a long time. It's just a very familiar household brand. You told me when you were on last to look out for the K-Duo. So I have three of them. 
Uh, I bought one for everybody. I did. Uh, they are, without a doubt, the greatest. But they also make me want to, I, I have K-Cups, but I also buy coffee, and I also uh, roast bean, I buy roast bean whole. This thing really captured America very quickly, as from what I can tell. It's been on fire since we launched it. And importantly, our, our whole strategy is about household penetration, getting more Keurig machines into homes that don't currently have them. And the absence of the ability to do a pot or a cup was a barrier that we solved. And you're a great example of that. So, I'm, so thank you for buying three of them. Now, uh, we don't talk nearly enough about Canada Dry. I mean, here's a name that you know, I guess you've revitalized. Because, Bob, Canada Dry, I thought, was a dead brand. It clearly is not a dead brand. No, as I said, it's grown for 13 straight years between Canada Dry and Schweppes, which is also our brand. We have the great majority of the ginger ale segment, and that's on fire. And what you're seeing is as, as changes uh, evolve over time, people want a spicier, more ginger flavor. Think about Asian food. And so that's why we introduced Canada Dry Bowl, but we've added that to all of the other Canada Dry variants that are out there. Um, and this is really an unstoppable brand. So um, we'll, we'll, we expect continued growth. I think it's very important. You did something. My kids did not like me using the uh, K-Cup. They said it's, it's very non-environmental. Go by the uh, get, get the duo. But you are now a leader in recyclability. You figured this out, that the millennials don't like uh, the trash that they're, that they're generating with the K-Cup. Yeah, it, it's the K-Cup. It's, our, it's all, the entire beverage industry. So we put some very bold commitments out there called Drink Well, Do Good. It's on our website if anyone wants to see it. Um, and it, it talks about all kinds of commitments on sustainability. But with regard to packaging, 100% recyclable materials, that's happening by the end of the year with K-Cups. The use of post-consumer materials in our products, that's happening in our PET bottles. It's also being used in our brewers. And we're also looking for new materials that could be compostable or biodegradable. So it's, it's never ending, but we're very serious about making a difference here. Uh, Green Mountain turned out to be a real brand. I thought the Green Mountain would have died by now. It turns out to be that's a, a grower. It's growing, and it is a very substantial brand within um, K-Cups. It's number two as a, as a brand uh, behind the Starbucks brand. And, yeah, we put good marketing, good quality behind it and some innovation, and it is growing. And it's performed very well during the, uh, the last quarter. So what happens now? I mean, is it – are you digesting or have you got uh, I kind of feel like you've got this great platform to add things. We had uh, we had some people on earlier from us uh, whom, you know, I know you know them. But I feel like that you are ready for the next leg and that you can't just have these. You got to maybe do some more uh, babies, more natural, whatever. I go to the supermarket and I see half the aisle could be yours. Are, are you thinking along those lines? We 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 love the portfolio that we have with all these great brands that we're talking about. They're delivering for us very well, as we just talked about. But we also have so much white space in our portfolio. And we're very creative in the way that we go after that white space. In some cases, we'll do it on our own. In some cases, we'll make an acquisition. Others will do a partnership like we did with Polar. We're making seed investments with path to ownership on a number of other brands. And so we got a full court press in filling out the white space in our portfolio. But I think more importantly, we're very creative in the way that we go about filling that white space. Well, you've been very creative in, putting, in making a lot of money for people in the consumer package goods group. Bob Gangord, as always, great to see you, sir. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jim. Bob's chairman, CEO of Keurig, Dr. Pepper. Now, if you remember, we liked this from day one when they did that dividend, and we told you to buy it. I'm reiterating right now, this is a winner. Man Money's back after the break. At the beginning of earnings season, I warned you that there were too many stocks that were coming in hot, meaning they'd already run up dramatically and the expectations were very high, not just tech, but other companies. And that's how you end up with a situation where stocks get slammed in the wake of a truly excellent number, a situation like Taylor Morrison Home. This is a classic home builder with exposure to many of the states that are having horrific outbreaks right now. Arizona, Texas, Florida, Georgia, California. But you know what? If you're a home builder, the pandemic has turned out to be very good business. People stuck indoors and in confined places in cities, single family homes, maybe they want to spread out a little. They want to go to the suburbs. It's called the counter urban trade. That's what's going on. And it's fueled some spectacular moves in the home building stocks. That's right. City to suburb. Taylor Morrison, for example, nearly quadrupled from the March lows through yesterday's close. Then the company reported this morning, and while their sales were yeah, fine, they gave you a monster 21 cent earnings beat off a 59 cent basis. You know, in May, sales were up 17 percent. In June, they were up 94 percent. None of this was news because they gave us monthly updates. But we did find out that July's on pace for an 80 percent growth. There's some nice news. Guidance mostly strong, though their full year home close forecast fell short from some people's views. Really, though, I mean, the results were fantastic. So what happens? The stock tumbles 3.4%, came in too hot. I'm just trying to give you some context because you know I think this is a buy. Could, uh, so let's find out exactly how big a buy it can be. Let's check in with Cheryl Palmer. She's the chairwoman and CEO of Taylor Morrison Home. Get a better read on the quarter and where the company said, Ms. Palmer, welcome back to Mad Money. Well, thanks, Jim. Thanks so much for having me here. How are you today? Well, Cheryl, trying to stay safe like you, right? Good deal. That's what matters. Well, you know what? You were the first person to actually just lay the thesis out in your excellent call. You said, third, there was a thesis at the beginning of the pandemic involving a flight from urban areas where personal space is limited to more suburban or rural areas where space is more abundant. And you say it is a real phenomenon. You have the floor. Yeah, it sure is, Jim. You're exactly right. And as I talked about on the call, you know, early on, it started off as a lot of chatter at the sales floor. But we do a considerable amount of research and we've watched the trend grow week over week for the last, you know, I would tell you 20 weeks. And what started out as talk amongst our visitors and some of our internet traffic has really turned into reality amongst our buyers. What's most interesting, Jim, is there's a number of reasons they're making that move. It's not really just to flee the urban core. It goes along with their desire to get more space, um, their desire because of home offices, home, you know, the kids at home with home education. But the number one reason is enhanced technology. The number two reason is that they really do crave healthy home features. And that's why we introduced Live Well today. Well, you would got to tell us about that, because I thought that I, I was speaking to an, to an aircraft manufacturer saying, why don't you introduce this? Why don't you introduce that? Well, they're kind of sticking with their game plan. But you've got the, the Live Well line and it's got product enhancements that must thrill people who are very worried about the pandemic. Well, it is. They've been very clear and it's been across all consumer sets, although we are seeing the millennials and the Xers wanted even more. But about a third of our shoppers are saying it's an absolute must. But you just hit on it, Jim. I mean, I've watched you interview some airline you know, CEOs, and they're talking about the need to recirculate air for what might be a couple hours every few weeks on a plane. 
or think about kids going back to school, it's an absolute must. Well, what about your castle? What about where you live? It's really important to Taylor Morrison to make sure that we're taking care of our buyers at home where they're spending all of their time. So Live Well has a few um, very exciting features. It's all about clean air. It's all about clean water. And it's making the houses chemical free through some paint enhancements and some antibacterial fans. We are so excited about this. I love this. The upgraded air filtration is what I'm trying to get the airplanes to do. But you know that that's what people want. And I bet you that's driving buyers, particularly the online buyers who start out just looking virtually. Well, the virtual environment's been crazy. The reality, Jim, is we just introduced this this morning on our earnings call, and you probably saw our press release. It will be effective all sales, and it will be standard in all of our homes that we sell for new construction as of this Saturday, August 1st. I actually think, and I may have said it on the call this morning, I think this is going to be expected from builders. Um, It's going to be table stakes. So it's really nice to be the first out to market with it. Now, there's too much uh, talk just about how this is all in the Fed. Uh, low interest rates, we go buy homes. I think the combination of that work at home, play at home, nothing to do, better have a nice house, is every bit as important as the interest rate that they pay on their mortgage. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more with you. You know, one of the other pieces of research I think you'd find interesting is as we look at the shoppers and the trends over you know, let's say the last 12, 15 months and what has really changed through the COVID period and and to be expected. We talked about technology. We talked about home offices, more space, outdoor space. Some of those product enhancements, you know, it's hard to say if those are permanent or if they're, you know, if they're kind of emotional in today's environment. I think Live Well is very structural. But the other one that I've been uh, most intrigued by is watching the change in renters We've seen the renter community and our shoppers go up about 40% now looking for new homes. We've seen folks that are living at home with parents. um, So let's call it debundling. We've seen that move about 50% in overall shopper activity. Wow. They don't want, this is what Ventas is most feared. They don't want their parents to go to nursing homes. They're afraid. They need more space. They need that additional bedroom. Wow, I hadn't even thought about that. That's great insight, Cheryl. Wow. Well, and then you look at the active adult, to your point, Jim, on, you know, what about aging people? We're seeing a different dynamic with the active adults. We're seeing, hey, I don't know what tomorrow brings. And what I've learned is I need to live every day through this pandemic. And I'm going to go on a staycation. And that's why we're seeing really the active adult lifestyle communities really start to come. Well, you have got the pulse of this, Cheryl, and you've done such a fantastic job. Congratulations to you, Cheryl Palmer, chairman and CEO of Taylor Morrison. Always great to see you. You too, Jim. Take care of yourself. People want to own home builders, own this home builder. They have back to It is time! It's time for the letter! We're going to talk about both one of our citizens. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Wait a second. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate that! Time for the lightning round. We're going to start with Dave in Texas. Dave! Hey, Jimmy Chill. Yo. I bio. New to the Russell. Nine times volume. 
huge swings pre and post market. Is this a Brian Texas bull ride or a carnival ride, my friend? Well, I gotta tell you something. I gotta do a little more. I gotta do a little more work on that five hundred sixty million dollar bad boy. And we will come back. Interesting chart. Let's go to Francisco in New York. Francisco. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Want to give a shout out to my coworker Mina. Loved your show, by the way. I love you too. So my yeah. question is on Vaxxer. I purchased the stock at fifteen dollars a share, and now it's trading around ten. I understand it is. Well, I know, did you read that article company? about the insider selling? Uh, to me, it was a. Uh, I didn't like the tone of it. Let's put it that. I didn't like the tone of Vaxxer. I think I have to leave it like that. I will be a bit of a diplomat here. Let's go to Bob in New York. Bob. Hey, how goes it, Jim? All right. How about you, Bob? Uh, not bad, Bubba. I got a question for you, Jim. Uh, this company reported yesterday they beat top and bottom. They increased guidance for 2021. I'd like to know what you think of them. And also, could they be the apple in someone's eye down the road? And that company is Dynatrace. Oh, we like Dynatrace. Um, it, it's Look, it's been a real winner. I don't know. It's a, it's a very expensive stock in terms of price earnings ratio. So I don't think anyone would buy them. I think you just stick stick with it. It reminds me in some ways, it, you know, look, it's got the intelligence platform. Listen to our ServiceNow interview this morning. I mean, it's got it's kind of got that more going for it. But I don't think anyone, you own it for the business, not for the takeout. Let's go to Yash in Virginia. Yash. Hey, Mr. Kramer. How are you? I am good. How about you? I'm good too. Thank you for doing it. Like, thank you for all your suggestions and everything. I, I really love that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I have this question about uh, this stock. It has gone almost like 50% uh, in the last month. It's called Rosetta Stone. Um, what, what was the stock? Rosetta Stone? Yeah, you know, I read a good piece. Citron likes that. He's a big short seller. I often like it. When a short seller likes to go long a stock and recommend it. And I think that this is an interesting, good household brand stock. How about we go to Derek in Delaware? Derek. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Thank you for taking my call, man. Of course. My uh, question is about Blink Charging Company. They're in the Uh, EV sector. It's a really great sector. They have a lot of potential. Are they a buy? I mean, every one of these is uh, these charts that are like this. And I know if I say, don't buy it, it's going to soar. But, you know, I can't recommend it. I, I, I like Tesla. It was my great concession. Liked it at 275 uh, And so far, that was good. But I got to stick with that. Let's go to, to let's go nowhere. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Welcome to the restaurant apocalypse. If you're in the business of serving food, you know, a brick and mortar setting, all I can say is stick a fork in it because that business is done. You think I'm exaggerating? After listening to a bunch of conference calls from the big publicly traded restaurant chains in the last few days, I got to tell you, it turned out to be much worse than I thought. This morning, Yum! Branch reported, while the market didn't love the quarter, it was the conference call that sent chills down my spine. Why? Because Pizza Hut, and also ran Pizza Brand, come on, you got to admit that, had a stellar quarter. Same store sales up 1%, although that understates things as each month was better than the last, and they've got real momentum. Why is that so terrifying? Because nearly all of that's takeout or delivery. Many, if not in some cases, all of their dining rooms are closed. Same goes for KFC and Taco Bell. That's also owned by Yum. 
Yum is the largest restaurant company on earth. Pizza Hut's their largest division. And it might not need dining rooms at all. As CEO David Gibbs put it, the dining room piece is really something that we've been able to overcome. (laughs) Honestly, if you're listening to protocols they've had to put in place to keep a few dining rooms open, it might not even be worth the effort. I'm going to say this again because it's really important. The largest restaurant chain on earth doesn't need to be a restaurant to make a lot of money. You almost got to take out the delivery down to a science. They don't need no stinking tables. That terrifies me because I'm in the restaurant business. Most of us smaller operators simply aren't, are not built to compete. Not built around takeout. Look, I, I totally get it when I see that Wingstop reported a monster 32% same-store sales gains. We've been pushing this stock since we spoke to the CEO, Charlie Morrison, way back when it was trading 27. It's now at 158. Wingstop's all about takeout delivery. I mean, it always has been. But pizza, it used to be a sit-down experience. Hey, it was a big deal for me when I was growing up. Not anymore. Right now, many restaurant owners are hopeful about reopening and letting people eat indoors again. But the pandemic's not going to let that happen. Bars and restaurants tend to be the biggest COVID hotspots. So they stay closed. So they try to make it takeout, delivery, outdoor dining, typically on some sidewalk not meant for it. For most, though, it's not working. In part because there's not enough room for tables outside unless you were already built for outdoor dining or you're going to be in the middle of the street. And they're not going to let that go on for too long. Even then, in three months, it gets cold. Nobody's going to want to eat outside anyway. The same social distancing protocols that apply to Pizza Hut also apply to the smaller independents, meaning take 50 percent, 55 tables out of the equation. And there are major limitations. How many people can stand or sit at the bar? I think 70 percent. How about delivery? Here's the problem. The big outfits like Yum or Wingstop, but they got scale. So they can cut favorable deals with the Grubhubs or the Postmates that Uber eats. The independents, forget about it. The delivery companies end up taking a 25 or 30 percent cut of each sale. You better believe that Pizza Hut's not paying 30 percent. Now, let's add it all up. A regular fine dining independent restaurant can serve only half the customers it did before the pandemic. There's no room at the incredibly lucrative bar for them to waste money on drinks while they wait. The food typically does not travel well. It's meant to be served fresh out of the oven. And worse, there's no profit delivery anyway after the guys from Grubhub take their cut. Meanwhile, what are they paying? The same amount as they were before for rent and labor. Yum sees this. It knows the numbers. If indoor dining would have made the company significantly more money, you better believe they would have, they would have found a way to have their franchises open the dining rooms with strict safety protocols. But they didn't do that. It wasn't worth it. Why bother with social distancing masks, which are very hard to keep on when you're eating, and temperature taking when you can just make money all in takeout and delivery? Unfortunately, your favorite sit-down restaurant probably can't survive on delivery alone. I'm not saying we'll all go under, but that restaurant that you like had better be a labor of love for the chef because after listening to the Yum Call, it's clear that the brick-and-mortar restaurant biz has no way to turn a profit in the age of COVID. If the next round of stimulus doesn't make a major effort to save these independent operators something bigger than the Paycheck Protection Program, then you can say goodbye to your favorite place to eat unless it can hold on until the now-dreamed-of vaccine somehow arrives. Stick with Yeah, I got to talk to Tim Cook uh, and Luca, the CFO of Luca Mastery, when with Josh Lipton before the close of the market. And when I saw the numbers, I said to myself, geez, you know, this really is just an unbelievable company. And I, I look at a company like an Amazon or an Apple or a Facebook or even an Alphabet, and I am in awe. And I admit that. I'm not, I'm not a kid in a candy store, and it's not like I haven't been around the block. 
But there are some times when you see businesses and people who run businesses like Tim Cook, and you just say, you know what? These are America's best. It's a bright light. They are bright lights. They are cities on hills. It's the same that the Washington feels like that they somehow have to pull them down. It's wrong. They're just great business people that we should admire and think good things about. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you next time. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.